0: today we have back with us dave peterson welcome back dave thank you we are looking at the gospel reading for christmas day it comes from john chapter one verses one to 14 but the expansion goes to verse 18 so i'll read that in the english standard version in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god Uh, obviously context, this is the beginning of John's gospel. Um, How does this set the stage for what's coming?
1: Well, it goes straight from there to John's confession that he's not the Christ, and then to the baptism by John. So there's no annunciation of either birth, John's or our Lord's, no birth narrative at all, no Bethlehem, no Joseph, no Mary. I mean, none none of the things that are are so key and central, and we probably talked about this last year. I, I mean, I think this is this is one of the chief reasons that I think that John's Gospel is not meant to stand alone, but that it's supplemental to the Synoptics.
0: Mm. So he's concerned less with history and more with theology. I, I, maybe that's. I not mean, the right way I would say it.
1: he. Yeah, he's not concerned with history because it's already been provided. I would say, right. but yeah. So he's like okay you've got that now there's no re- no need for me to go through the exact same material again you know instead he's expanding it and he's he is speaking at a at a higher level i mean i think that's indisputable that that mm-hmm. john is he's kind of invoking some philosophical things but he's really putting it in a th- in a much more theological way yeah. it's inter- what's he responding to um Is it anti-Greek thought, or is it you know anti-Socrates, or is it anti-Gnostic, or -hmm. is it anti-mystery religion? I mean, Mm -hmm. he seems to have an opponent in mind. Yeah, I mean, not that he has to. It's it's beautiful just as it stands, but it is strange language in a way. I know it's kind of our favorite, so it doesn't seem strange to us. It's it's very familiar to us, but it's it's an unusual way of speaking. I mean it th- this whole this whole casting uh the second person of the holy trinity as logos is mm-hmm. you know it's it's not dominant in the scriptures yeah. at all <laughs> right it's here in one place in first john it doesn't even really continue in the rest of john's gospel
0: mm-hmm. you know i i've always taken this as kind of like you know how in genesis 1 and 2 you kind of get um Distinct creation narratives. One is from like the ten thousand foot view, and then one is zeroing in on the sixth day, the creation of man. And I've always taken, and maybe wrongly so, you know, that Matthew's gospel it says, you know, this is the Genesis or the generation of uh, Jesus Christ, the genealogy that that is the 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 Genesis two of the Gospels. And yeah. it's very focused in on the sixth day, although by using that word Genesis is incorporating um, Genesis 1. And and John comes along and says, all right, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to fill in the Genesis 1 account for the Gospels. Uh, <laughs> and that's how John 1 is.
1: Yeah, I think, no, I think that's right. Um, I think also John has a concern for, for beauty and poetry, um, mm. that, and I mean, I think we respond to this kind of naturally that I, I would say Luke two, in some ways pulls at our kind of nostalgia or sentimentality. Um, mm-hmm. cause it's very earthy, which, which would be I think similar for Matthew, whereas, whereas John sings, right? This is mm-hmm. John pulls us to awe right so there's singing in luke right i mean there's there's kind of there's joy in all of them but i think the the joy of luke 2 and christmas eve is different in that um, well i mean i think that the christmas eve is sort of the joy of children it's sort of innocent and naive joy and mm-hmm. the joy of christmas day is is a much more sophisticated and nuanced joy because you get i mean you have rejection in bethlehem in luke's account too but here it's just mm-hmm. put much more in terms of as you, i like that the the sort of 10,000 foot view right that this is darkness versus light evil versus good right it's an it's an archetypical telling of the event yeah. rather than the personal details and i think that that, that does kind of yeah, you know, I, I, this is going to be really corny, and maybe it's maybe I, it's sort of like I could see Luke two would correspond to the way reading the Chronicles of Narnia makes you feel, and mm-hmm. reading Luke one makes you feel like you've read the Lord of the Rings.
0: Oh, you mean John one reading the Lord of the Rings?
1: I, yeah, what I said, did I Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, right. Like, what is the difference between right when you read the Lord of the Rings? It's this much more cosmic giant kind of fantasy event, as opposed to Narnia, which is kind of small in comparison, I guess. small, mm-hmm. intimates would be a better word. But anyway, I'm yeah. agreeing with you. I, th- I think that's right. And I think that's why we love it. Um, and I think that, you know, that tone, uh, we should strive to strike that tone on Christmas Day in our preaching
0: to make it uh, bigger, more sweeping? Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, I think more, yes, bigger, sweeping, more universal. Com- and more, yeah, more awe filled, right? Quieter uh-huh. in some ways, right? You know, because you've got that he came unto his own and his own did not. Re- I mean, there's this, right? The darkness wants to overcome the light, it doesn't. There's this, the battle has begun, right? This cosmic battle between good and evil, you know? And, and yet, Mm. you know, this, you know, driven again, of course, by mercy and grace, you know, it it is a rescue operation and, you know, he comes into it willingly. Yeah. So I I think the, the awe, the kind of, maybe that's. Yeah. I've also always kind of,
0: yeah, I've also kind of always thought about it in terms of, I don't think I came up with this. I think I heard this from someone. Um, But. So the emphasis on Christmas Eve is that God became man, and the emphasis on Christmas Day with John 1 is God became man, kind of like there's an emphasis from a different perspective. Yeah, I think
1: that's right, too. I, I think, right, in on Christmas Eve, God becomes a baby, and on Christmas Day, right, the Word becomes flesh. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, I think that's right. That there is a the, the human aspects again. Well, and, and the relationship with Mary and Joseph, you know, that's so important. That yeah, that he's a that he's a regular man, right? Is the emphasis, and here it really is that this is God Himself, you know, taking up the battle mm-hmm. against the devil in human flesh. So I think that's right. Yeah,
0: yeah and there's always there's never. It, it seems to me from the Old Testament, there's never a distinction between. I mean a hard-line distinction let me say between God's word and his work right so it's always a really awful thing particularly if you're reading the psalms uh and, and then even the later prophets it's always an awful thing when God goes silent and because that right. means he's not working and because his work is always united with his word and now we get it's 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 extra there's more it's not just that <laughs> it's not just that his word is there but the word itself has become a work unto uh, unto its own it's 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 living and breathing and walking and talking um it, and not just through a human means but becoming flesh and human itself yeah
1: well that's the emphasis upon the creator right he's the creator uh-huh. And yet he has entered into creation as a creature, and mm-hmm. right? I mean, he was there in the beginning, all things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made, right? I mean, he is all of this, and yet he becomes flesh and dwells among us, right, Tabernacles among us. yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, it, i I again, I think that's um that's the sort of shocking thing and the surprising thing. So it's not in any way obviously contrary to Luke. But it is just kind of placing it into this. uh, You have that also. The nice thing that um, Matthew starts his starts his gospel with the word Genesis, you know, because and that's the first Greek word. Of course, I'm sure all the pastors know this, but that's the in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That's the first word of the book Genesis. That's why it's called Genesis because that's the first word, literally Mm -hmm. Genesis. And Matthew starts out, and the first thing he says is Genesis. Um, mm-hmm. but if it's, so you have that connection between Matthew and Genesis one, but, uh, John takes up instead the translation. So he uses the, uh, in the beginning. So he's also tying it, you know, to Genesis one, as you say, in, in a, in a very tight, you know, kind of thing. Um, and then Matthew goes into the genealogies, as you say, because there's huge mm-hmm. emphasis upon that. Whereas, right, uh. John is putting it into the more universal context. There's no yeah. talk here. I mean, you have that, he came unto his own, but until you get onto that, there's there's no thinking about Jews and Gentiles, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, Abraham and Isaac and so forth. It's the the history is greater than the history that's recorded in Genesis again, and the yeah. kind of universality of this. So yeah.
0: It's so okay. So this is kind of the theme and the, the, the con- context in terms of what what images he's bringing to bear here. Uh, and, and that's how this differs from, say, Luke 2 and Christmas Eve. Um, were there translation issues that you saw that could help kind of highlight that theme uh, that should be brought to bear when we preach about these things?
1: Well, I mean, I, I don't know how, I don't, it's not a translation problem against the ESV. Um, it's just the problem of there's some things that are very difficult to just bring straight into English. Mm. So even this beginning, that in the beginning, um, I love this, this word RK for beginning um, also means ruling. I mm-hmm. always bring that up, but uh, right, like the, 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 the archdeacon, you know. Is the deacon that rules the other deacons, so he's the first deacon. But the first deacon is like the, the prime minister, right? The first minister, the one that's right. so. There is this ruling idea, you know the the uh, um, you know the high priest, that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know. There's a bit of a hint again with this kind of language, uh, this elevated language, right? Um, of you know the kind of ruling reality that. The second person of the Holy Trinity is God, who is outside of creation, outside of time, has always been, right? And uh, this is how it starts, and that in the beginning gets repeated twice in these this first verse, and then also um, this phrase with God uh, gets repeated. So, th- there. Uh, so that's. Just something to sort of think about and to recognize there's a little more nuance here. And then, of course, this word that we translate word, logos, that's one that I know this is, I would just, if it was my, if I got to make the rules, I would transliterate that because word is a little bit too small for logos, uh, Hmm. right? Because logos, it does mean word, um, but it also means reason, you know, logic It's got a bigger, even in some sense, wisdom. It's got a bigger connotation than than just Mm -hmm. the Bible or words or speaking.
0: Yeah, Uh, so it's it's an ordering. It's you said logic, then that's that's where we get our word logic from. But um, but yeah, it 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 incorporates kind of all of the um, so like in logic, you, you. your second act of the mind in reasoning is the act of judgment. And so, you know, all you can do is make judgments, either by affirming things or denying them, uh, uh, by, by making discriminations and distinctions. And that's what you see in the creation count, right? Where he separates, he distinguishes like kinds. That, that's how he demonstrates his dominion. And it's almost as if you've got, you know, with that word archae. For beginning instead of Genesis, you got this idea that uh, man is going to take back his dominion once again, but it's only going to be yeah. because God takes on flesh
1: right well, and that's why it goes right into this whole thing about light right mm-hmm. that's again right he 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 separated light and darkness, and then darkness has encroached upon the light, and that's not going to be allowed to stand because. He told the truth from the beginning, right. and the truth is that light and right. The darkness doesn't win. I mean, this is, um, you know, sometimes uh, Christians get sort of upset about this, but uh, he doesn't. It's not as though he is free to not save us, you know. Now, mm-hmm. I mean. We we often like to get into this sort of weird speculation, you know, on the understand that God can do anything he wants. And I mean, in some sense, that's true. He's omnipotent, except that he has bound himself Uh, and he binds himself already there in Genesis one in his speaking of the creation into beginning uh, into being and then separating. Right. So, Mm -hmm. look, he said it was good. If the devil makes it bad, the devil's a liar. God has to fulfill what He said and restore it to what it really is and meant to be. He, he mm-hmm. can't let the devil win, right? No, he can't let it it's, be bad.
0: This is about His character, and that's something that always yeah. comes back time and time again in in regard to like the prophets. This is His character, um, yeah. And you kind of get that in the the Hebrews one passage that that some right. have for. Uh, for this Christmas Day, all right. He is the the exact imprint of his character,
1: right? Upholding all things by the word of his power, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got the that's the the Hebrews one also, right? Exactly. He he um, if he said it, it's true, and it, it can't be undone <laughs> by by Satan. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so th- there's that that kind of beautiful thing again. Of and I think you know, this is what gives the prophets. Well, we'll think about Moses and Abraham in particular you know, arguing with God, right. This is what gives them boldness, um, Mm -hmm. because they know God's character. Right. And they, they trust his word. And it's like, look, you can't, what, what, you know, what are the Gentiles going to say? You know, (laughs) I love Mm -hmm. that. Uh, I love that. What are the Gentiles going (laughs) to say? If you let us, if you let us be all destroyed and, you know, go the way and punish us according to our sins, uh, Mm It's just, yeah that, yeah,
0: that took some major balls, didn't it? I mean, yes, you are talking did. to God, but, but yeah, he's he's trusting the character of God, uh, and yeah. and yeah, and so you said boldness. That's the in Greek, that's the paresia that freedom of speech that every mm. Greek had in the assembly, right? So he 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 had courage and boldness to speak freely before the Lord because he knew the Lord's character. And this is yeah. I, th- this is actually a really important point for um, for our people to dive into the Word of God more, that, that that they would know the character of God, so that they could approach Him with boldness and confidence. Yes,
1: and that's the Syrophoenician so, woman, right? I mean. Yeah right there is this there's uh Jacob even though we, you know even though Jacob's obviously you know a flawed hero in many ways but you know his uh his wrestling with god and not letting go and insisting on being told his name
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you know that's again what yeah it's it's bold but it's it's based on promise and yeah. so it's really a it's bold because of trust, right? It's driven by faith. And we've probably talked about on this, we, we, we act according to faith, not according to knowledge. We, yeah. we know things that we don't believe, and, and that's why we don't act according to them, right? I know that, you know, Little Debbie Nutty Bars are not, that they're empty calories. I know that, but I don't believe it, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's why I eat them. Uh, so and it's because right because so anyway we act according to faith it's always faith that actually drives our works because i believe falsely that the pleasure that's going to come from this is worth it right Mm -hmm. and that i won't regret it or whatever and so yeah so there but i mean it works in the positive sense too so our sins are acts of faith just faith in the wrong things but our good works are too
0: yeah or it's a yeah it's a at the same time, a disbelief in the character of God. I mean, if yeah, you think yeah. of of faith as something that God's character creates, and this is why we have like a good faith deposit, um, we are creating faith in the person that we're saying, we w- we're going to buy this off you and so that y- you will not sell it out. We're going to give you a deposit upon that. Um, that's demonstrating a part of my character that my word means something. And yeah. God has done this in his character time and time again. And so it's his character that creates that trust. But because uh, because we um, – w- well, it can be because of lack of knowledge, but it can also just be because of an overabundance of false knowledge that we right. – Act in faith towards other things. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not, it's not, I'm not, uh, I don't want to downplay knowledge. I just think it's important to recognize that works come from faith ultimately. When
0: mm-hmm. knowledge
1: and faith match, that's the ideal situation. If you don't have knowledge, there's nothing for faith to match, right? It's not, faith doesn't exist as a virtue apart from content.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. So the, uh, think of, a- I was thinking of uh, Ahaz, right? In his, in his refusal of the sign, um, you know, he, that's a weird situation. He doesn't want God to say it because he wants to do what he wants to do. (laughs) And, and so, you know, he's, he's, his, the problem is, is he's afraid that God will say something, but then God won't be trustworthy in what he says. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, look, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say I should trust in you and you'll protect me from the Egyptians. But you know, that I would, I would rather uh, protect myself with weapons and an alliance, you know, that is actually trustworthy, unlike you. And mm-hmm. it, it's really a fascinating... I was, uh, I was down at the International Center, the Intergalactic Center recently, and <laughs> there was a prayer. Sean Denzer prayed a prayer in chapel about Ahaz. I don't know why, but anyway, there was a collect, and it's, it, called, it called Ahaz Reluctant. It said something about Ahaz being reluctant. And uh, I went and complained to him afterwards because I think that's a terrible. But I mean, I mean, I'm not really that. I mean, I am serious, but I'm not. I don't really care about the collect, whatever. But it was. Uh, I, I was like, listen, he's not reluctant. Reluctant implies that he eventually went along with it, mm-hmm. or that he's that he's not willfully. I, I mean, he's a he rege- has willfully rejects it, even if he anyway. Uh, it was just kind of a funny moment. It was probably it was probably out of yeah, it could be. He didn't yeah. know where it came from. You know, he just had it's not like it wasn't a colic that's like in the hymnal. It's probably in one of these, or it may not even be. It's just something mm-hmm. they had at the IC, you know, from mm-hmm. but anyway. I was like, Ahaz isn't reluctant. He he didn't care, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, Yeah, go away, <laughs> Peterson.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: But anyway, it is interesting to think about, you know, and that's such that's such an absolutely crucial prophecy. And uh, it's kind of like that we talked about at Christmas Eve, that wisdom thing, you know, of the, uh, the, the almighty word leaping down from heaven to destroy the yes. sons of Pharaoh, right? I love that. And, uh, but, you know, in a similar way, Isaiah 7, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel. God is with you, which, you know, is being in, invoked by John here. Um, I mean, uh, implied, right, by John. You know, that's a sign against Ahaz, mm-hmm. and it's a call to faith, right, to believe in these promises. So I don't think, I i don't know, probably we don't have too many people listening that would think, I don't expect there was any kind of fulfillment immediately of that. Um, I think that's a prophecy yeah. that requires faith and looks to the future. I don't think a virgin conceived and bore a son there in Jerusalem, you know, and they called him Manny, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, I think it had. To, I think we had to wait for that to be ultimately fulfilled, which, of course, is not uncommon for prophecies, right? I mean, the prophecies to Abraham. You know, I mean, eventually he does get Isaac, but then you know, no, no more. Uh, you know, to to see this, right? To believe all these children are going to come, and the, he does die without the land being theirs, and so forth. So, yeah. Anyway, Ahaz is a great example of. Uh, you know, acting by faith—that's bad faith, or dis—I mean, you could you could maybe, maybe I should say he's acting according dis- to disbelief or according to what he doesn't, or you know, against what he doesn't believe.
0: So, okay, so is there anything in the structure here that would help us preach?
1: Yeah, I think so. You really have, I think, verses one through thirteen is just an introduction. <laughs> um, it's just one one long introduction, right? That that is that. The second person of the Holy Trinity, who we all know, he's talking about Jesus, right? And he's talking about how it is that the second person of the Holy Trinity entered into creation and became a man. We get all this stuff, but he's the Creator. In Him was life. He was the light of men, but not everybody believes Him because the darkness, you know, didn't uh, submit to Him. Uh, and then, because of that failure of the darkness, John the Baptist is sent to bear witness to the light. And then the true light is the light of everyone, but only those who believe on his name, that is who are baptized, who are born of God, right, are going to be his children. And then finally, all this is like set up to finally say verse 14. Um, And that, of course, is the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. uh, And his glory is beheld by faith. And his glory is grace and truth that cannot be seen according to the paradigms of power to find by men. So mm. structurally, I think the whole it's just like a long prologue, 1 through 13, with a lot of theological stuff in it, but all of it to actually culminate and um, kind of in a sense, require verse 14. Right, because of all these things, because the word was with God in the beginning, because the word is God, because the word created all things and nothing was created apart from Him, and because He is light and He is the life of men, and because darkness doesn't doesn't want Him, and because His own receive Him not, and because those who do believe are made the children of God. Right, because of all that, that's why the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's all. uh, That is the structure. Yeah, yeah, it's really. I mean, he really takes a long time to get to it, Uh, and of course, this is this is a very Hebraic way of speaking. I mean, I think John's gospel is more Hebraic than Matthew's gospel, Mm -hmm. and it's got this. So it's the the you know we like you know we like the thesis right up front, right in the first paragraph if not the first sentence, probably the last sentence of the first paragraph. And then, you know, right. Everything then is built upon that. And that's the structure that's easiest for us to follow mentally and to sort of latch onto. But uh, the kind of uh, way that John proceeds is it's like a, it's like a corkscrew, you know, or a spiral where he just keeps Mm. circling back to things over and over again. And, I mean, it's it's moving forward, but uh, it's often in the midst of it, it's hard to tell. I yeah. mean, how many times it brings up John the Baptist, you know, hey, John the Baptist is not the Christ, you know, let's talk about some other <laughs> stuff. And then, hey, remember, John, he's not the Christ, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so all of these kinds of things, you know, and of course, the, uh, you know, John 16 and 17 is really, it, it's just a lot like this, but. So this is kind of a, a spiraling. I don't know, spirals the right word. I, if you or corkscrew, you know, there's this. It is there is oh. a direction, but it's not a straight line. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of circling back, um, kind of stuff in it. But what he really mm-hmm. wants to say, and the real point, I mean, the absolute highlight of this, the thesis statement is: the word became flesh. Um, and actually, you know, tented among us, lived with us in weakness and in poverty until death, in order that we would see that his sacrifice and his giving is his glory and truth, or I'm sorry, glory. And what is it? Glory and truth. What is it? Did I say it wrong? Is it glory and grace? Grace and truth. Oh, grace and truth. I'm sorry. His glory is grace and truth. That's what I was trying to say. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And that is repeated then. In uh, verses, in verse 17, that the law was right. given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Is this, right. is this a, um, you know, some people have taken this as, you know, here is the law gospel distinction. Is this a place to talk about that? Or, or is the grace and truth um, seen here as just the fulfillment of what was given to Moses?
1: yeah it's got to be the it's this can't be law and gospel narrow use that that should be a capital l law the torah the law the full counsel mm-hmm. of god was given through moses everything we needed is in moses and yet <laughs> um you know there is this uh this greater thing than everything we needed i mean there there mm-hmm. is this uh right this so i i've started to uh I might i said this on here before I've, I no longer talk about Jesus fulfilling the law. I have I have changed my vocab to say fulfill and expand. Yeah. Um, because I think fulfill sounds like, you know, a checklist, like he's making yeah. sure it got done. You know, like he took a like, you know, I my my wife gives me a list to take to the grocery store. She says buy a dozen eggs, I buy a dozen eggs and I've fulfilled the law, right? But it's like Jesus goes to the grocery store with this list of buy a dozen eggs and he buys you know, two dozen eggs and a chicken. You know, I mean it's like it's it's more than we would have expected. Well, actually probably buys and bacon because
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: but yeah, there, there's this there's this fulfillment and expansion, right? And baptism pancakes isn't and a spirit. and pancakes, that's right. <laughs> so the, the but there because right, baptism doesn't stand equal to circumcision. It's right. f- it's far more. You know, and the Lord's Supper doesn't just stand parallel to the Passover; Mm -hmm. it's far, far more.
0: Right? It's eleven. I think it's one higher.
1: It's eleven. That's right. So, could you you have an entire
0: sermon according to Spinal Tap? (laughs) That's the question. It's you probably could, but maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's really that's that's the and that's part. I mean because. You know, what he says here is shocking in in a sense, you know, that the law, I mean, not at this point, by the time he writes the gospel, but, but as Jesus, right, I, I always pull up the, when Jesus says, drink my blood, I mean, that's gotta be just, that's gotta be the most shocking thing he ever says um, mm-hmm. to them. But, but here, you know, you have it, the similar thing or, or, you know, when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, right, you have heard it said that you shall not do this, but I say, you know, that's, that's a very provocative language and here too, um, you know, that the law of Moses was everything we needed, but here is so much more. And, uh, you know, what's greater than what Moses gave, grace and truth. In And then you get his, finally get his name, because <laughs> we've been mm-hmm. talking about it the whole time without using his name. And you get both the name that was commanded to Mary and Joseph, Jesus, Joshua, right? The one who saves his people, uh, mm-hmm. leads us through the through through the Jordan on dry ground into the promised land, and you also get the title Messiah. Um, yeah. So you get that full set thing. set up David, really,
0: right? He, he's also king.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, in between those two things, there was one more mention of John. Right. <laughs> John was the witness of <laughs> that just circular thing. So, yeah, it's, it's great. And then, and then yeah. it comes back to really another, an, another defense of the divinity of Jesus in verse 18. No one's seen God at any time. The only begotten. What you had? What did you have for? It's the I think only the God. ESV did it, not. Yeah. The oh, yeah, that's that. I, I did want to point out that horrific translation. That's only, yeah. yeah, It should be the only begotten. It's. I mean, that's literally what it says, um, and it does matter there. I think right. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has the, my uh, explained Him. <laughs> what did you? It, it says declared in New known. King James. Made him known. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a bit of a strange word. I mean, that it's just that it's not that common in the New Testament. But it mm-hmm. means something like explain, made known, tell, revealed yeah, describe. almost. But describe, I like that. Yeah. So, and that comes back to the whole Hebrews thing too, that right in the Son, we actually see the Father. Because no one can see mm-hmm. God, but we can see Jesus. Yeah. Right, and in seeing Jesus, we see the Father, and and the Spirit, of course. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's such a great it's such a great gospel. It's hard to preach on for that reason.
0: Yeah. So what what do you want to focus on? Are there doctrinal things uh, and things that you oh, want to there's... refute doctrinally? Or, or this doesn't seem like it's a it, it's really kind of uh, rife with. Um, you know, training in righteousness and correction. I mean, except for maybe just the light um, versus the darkness.
1: I mean, there's, so the only thing maybe that you could have with sort of training in righteousness, that is, you know, having, cultivating hope in the midst of suffering, right, or Mm -hmm. recognizing that our current suffering's temporary and looking forward to the last day and trusting God's promises might be the... um, the fact that you know the darkness is trying to overcome the light, and it won't, and we shouldn't be surprised that so little of the world believes in God, right He came unto his own, his own received him not, and so there is a recognition in this that the sorrows of Jesus himself in being rejected are embodied in his people to this day, yeah. and you've got this wonderful news that you know you want for you know, your neighbors, your children, right, your family members, the world, and most of them don't want it. And in fact, they despise you for it, or at least, um, if not despise you openly, you know, think you're a fool and are just sort of, um, you know, condescendingly tolerating you. And so, I mean, to, to, to learn to live with that dichotomy and to not, in some sense, expect success, you know, Uh, there's some training in righteousness there, I think, you know, some correspondence to, hey, look, yes, you're right, this does stink. You know, there aren't as many people here this morning in churches there should be. And there's very few people in all of America who really understand what Christmas is about, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. They talk about it nonstop. You know, the sitcoms I don't even know if there even are sitcoms anymore, but in the old days they used to always be Christmas specials on sitcoms, you know, Bill yeah. Cosby or whatever it was. And they would always discover the real meaning of Christmas. They'd have a Christmas special and the real meaning of Christmas inevitably was, you know, that we should be nice to one another. I mean, it was, or, you know, some sort of, well, think of, think of all the, all the classic Christian, uh, Christian Christmas movies, right? Um, you know, a miracle on 34th Street, right? What are we supposed to take away from that movie? That the real meaning is that we actually look out for one another and magic is real and Santa's real, right? Uh, you know, what's mm-hmm. the Jimmy Stewart one? I can't, it's a wonderful life, right? That, if right. You're go- that your, your life makes a difference, your good works matter, and you'll be rewarded for them by becoming an angel. Oh, great no, no Jesus in either one of these right and mm-hmm. on I mean the only the only Christian Christmas special in my think memory maybe I'm forgetting some is the Charlie Brown one but yeah. but anyway that, that you know the the world's talking endlessly about the real meaning of Christmas and they never mean you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They never Mm -hmm. mean the rescue of mankind out of this hell that we've made for ourselves and which we deserve because of our sins. They always mean, you know, something far, far less than that. Not something, you know, typically openly wicked. But so, yeah, he came unto his own, his own received him not. Right? They name a holiday after him, Christmas, and then ignore him completely during it.
0: Mm -hmm. They mark time by him.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. AD, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, and, then I, and I think at this point, I mean, we can say that Western civilization is his own. I mean, right, that, that you know, we are, we should be, right, mm-hmm. his own. And that's why, yeah. we have the, that's why we have the trappings of Christianity, just like Jerusalem did at the time of Jesus, right? Oh, they got yeah. the Passover, they got Pentecost, they got a temple. Yeah, well, what do we got? We got Christmas, we got Easter, we got All Hallows' Eve. We got all these things that are marked by this, but without Jesus. And mm-hmm. in fact, all of them end up being very self-indulgent, you know, materialistic uh, promotions of various idolatries, yeah. And of course, the favorite idolatry is the family, the people <laughs> yeah. I like.
0: Yeah. The, so, uh, Chris, I hear this all the time from the Ministry Alliance people because, uh, you know, they might have, a, they'll have a Christmas Eve service, but only because Christmas Eve fell, falls on a Sunday this year. They don't ever have a Christmas Day service. Um, and uh, I think they even cancel church on Christmas Day if it falls on a Sunday. Because it's a yeah. family day. Family day, and yeah. And I just am uh, actu- absolutely dumbfounded by that. And, and it, so I talked to him, like, yeah, but don't we have, like, a family of God? And isn't this, like, what we're supposed – I mean, you want to keep Christ in Christmas. Like, it's Christmas Day on a Sunday, and you're not going to have church. Like, what does that teach? <laughs> I know.
1: Oh, I've been railing about this for years, you know. Jackie, just at this point, I look out in the this time of year and she's just got her hand in her heads, you know, look at her ha- head in her hands looking down at the floor because she's just like, there he goes again. But, uh, you know, this, uh, oh no, he's going to bring up Santa Claus. Yes, I am. I can't help myself. But the...
0: <laughs> but it's the you know this this whole thing she knows about the look in um, your eye she knows she the knows yeah. here it comes that's
1: right and she's just like really do you have to just get yourself in trouble again but the the thing i always uh, uh, complain about too is these these people in our own churches right that they don't go to church on christmas day and instead what do they do they open presents and of course, presents usually from Santa Claus, but the, uh, but I'm like, what are you teach? What, you know, you're teaching your children that this is what Christmas is about. It doesn't matter how many times you say that, you know, let's keep Christ in Christmas. Your actions speak louder than your words. If you want to teach them that Christmas is about Easter, come to church on Christmas day, make church, make, make Christmas about church, right? Going and receiving yeah. the sacrament. And not make, don't make the big highlight be the gifts and the food and everything the world does. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, so at least make them wait. You know, somehow yeah. make them get up and go to church. Uh, you know, I think that just it sends such a strong message, especially when nobody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. So, I've had I've actually I mean obviously I'm, I don't have a hundred percent success in this, but that has convinced. Those rants have convinced some people over the years. That's good, and I've never really got into real trouble for it either. Uh, even though she, Jackie's afraid I will. So,
0: well, it is if you funny do, it's a good though. thing to get in trouble for.
1: That's right. It's like when you. It's like going. It, it cracks me up when uh, you go and you you visit a uh, delinquent member or you talk to him on the phone, and then you know, of course, what do you say? You say, "Look, you know, you should come to church." You're supposed to come to church, and you know, blah blah blah, and then I can't tell you how many times over the years I've done this, and then the family has gotten mad at me for making it worse, <laughs> and, and so I'm like, wait, wait, what? Well, how did I make it worse? They weren't coming to church. They still aren't coming to church. You know, seems like it's the same, and they're like, well, now they're <laughs> never coming to church. Because you told them that they should. And, you know, uh, and it's just, it's like, well, if I don't tell them, what did you think I was going to tell them? You know, I mean, how is it shocking to anyone in the world that I would
0: think people should come to church? Yeah. Well, Dave, you realize you have made it worse. (laughs) Not for the person, but for the family. Because now that the pastor has shown up, and said you should, and they still won't and and refuse, now it's clear oh. they do not believe, and it's worse. I see. Before they oh. could claim, they did not know. Now they cannot ah. claim it. And so they blame it on you as though you've made it worse for the person, like they're never going to come back. But really in their heart, what they mean is you've made it worse for them because now they know that their child doesn't believe because they've oh, wow. been seen That's by good. the messenger of God and the And they've rejected that message, which is why they don't say anything themselves. Right. Because they're afraid. I mean, I've talked to folks time and time again, and I said, why don't you just ask them if they believe if Jesus is raised from the dead? And if they say yes, then say, then why don't you believe all the other things he said if he is risen, you know, to come to church and to, to be a part of this family? And they're afraid of the answer that they don't believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, and so they don't ask.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you're right. That's a good analysis. Yeah, I was just responding to what they were saying.
0: But but, but but not not for yeah.
1: I like that line. If you believe that, I should. I just had a little um, scene with somebody who is, you know, this a guy who was telling me about how he prays a lot. You know, one of these guys, and uh, I don't know him well, uh, uh, but uh, he doesn't go to church at all. He's not living a lifestyle that's any, mm-hmm. I mean, he's an open, you know, uh, illicit, illegal substance user and, and all of this kind of stuff. And he doesn't go to church and his life's a mess and he lives with a woman and so forth. And, and, uh, but he tells me, you know, uh, and he's going through some hard times, you know, with stuff. And so, uh, he, he says, but you know, I'm, I'm still talking to him and I'm like, what talking to who, oh, the man upstairs. Like, what he's like yeah i talk to him every day i'm, I'm still talking to him and uh yeah. i didn't respond i mean i was in a bar it would have been kind of hard as you know darts thing but uh you know it, it disturbed me and for a, a few days you know i was trying to think well what but you know I, I what i should have said to him i mean i will i'll probably have another opportunity so well if you believe if you believe that god hears your prayers why don't you believe the other things he says yeah because I've this 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 uh, boasting and prayer I've run into a lot with unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Um, they they boast about how they really have faith and they talk to God a lot, you know. Yeah. And uh, well, they I know all of, the
0: pad answers. They know yeah, well, you know, that wherever two or three are gathered, and uh, and so they'll say that, and I say, oh, well, are are you doing that? Are you gathering with two or three around His name? <laughs> no. Oh, so then why did you bring it up? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so if you're not doing that, then okay. I don't understand how that matters. I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, right. I just, I've taken the tack of asking them, like asking them pointed questions about their own statements mm-hmm. to try to ferret out what they mean by things, you know, their definitions and their reasoning about things. And uh, oftentimes, they have not thought about the things that they are asserting. And really, I'm I'm trying to get my folks to to see, look, you don't have to defend God. He is perfectly fine doing this on his own. Um, But you can ask them questions when they make assertions. You have no um, burden of proof here if someone's made an assertion. You don't have to prove anything. They have to prove their assertion. So just ask them right. questions about it. Like, well, yeah. what do you mean by that? Or how'd you come yeah, to what that do you, what do you mean What's your evidence? Yeah. <laughs>
1: why do you think he hears? Why do you think he hears your prayers and answers them?
0: Right. Yeah. What, what leads um, you to believe that?
1: What, and do you know what? What do you think prayer is? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because really, and, and this, do you just do you take the time to listen to him? That's what right. that what I conversation? Say it. Yeah.
1: Right. Where yeah. does God, When does God get to speak? you know, and cause often, you know, uh, cause they, they often will say things too. you know, their favorite thing is to say, well, you know, uh, God's trying to tell me stuff, but you know, I'm hard headed. He has to hit me upside the head with the two by four. That's the, almost always the two by four comes up. So, you know, but it's like, I so that I, I've often in those situations, I'm like, really, I don't, I don't find him. It's very simple to just open the Bible, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, why, why is God so incapable of communicating to you? Mm-hmm. Right. He's not capable of speaking. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, have you, I'm just the next, have, you, have you ever just thought about the next time you see the person always carrying a two by four with you so you can pull it out? <laughs> I would love to.
1: God sent me. <laughs>
0: I'm here from God. I'm here to help.
1: Well, anyway, <laughs> it is, it is interesting. The, uh, well that's it. So the outlier stuff, I think the fact that we are outliers, that we don't fit in mm-hmm. this society and so forth. So that that's a training in righteousness. But I agree I with you. I think too mostly this is.
0: Yeah, I think too there's a sense where you can also flip it, right? It doesn't look like it, it always looks like less because of what we used to have, right? Um but then just even consider just how successful this has been. Like so one of the things that um, you know, people always, you know, did God really create in six days? Like, how did he do all of this in six days? And I always kind of turn around like, well, look, if he just speaks things into existence and all I used to say is let there be, why did he take so long, right? If, <laughs> he could have done this in 10 minutes. It takes 10 minutes to read through Genesis one, um, probably less. Uh, why did he take so long? Uh, maybe you could say, um, isn't it a miracle? There are so many here. And yeah, uh, so many who are Christians and following him across the world is there is right. there a, to to um I don't know, to point to just how overabundant and extra his his revelation is to us that look at how successful it is.
1: Yeah, the church only gets big. I sometimes will talk about the church only grows,
0: right oh that's a that's I a mean, good I'll- point.
1: Because, you know, we're, we're, uh, all the people that have ever believed that are in heaven still count, right? We only, yes. we only grow. We can't shrink, actually, right? The mm-hmm. number of the elect doesn't decrease. I mean, it doesn't technically increase either, but it, it is increasing as we experience it because new babies are being baptized. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, the church, the church only grows. That's a similar – that's a, in my thinking, that's a Christmas Eve sermon because it's the contrast with Caesar Augustus. You know, the Caesar Augustus doesn't matter, but Jesus does, right? Um, you know, that people burned incense to, to uh, you know, in the name of the emperor as though he were a god, but he's dead and nobody mm-hmm. cares about him anymore. Jesus is still worshiped and will be forever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, th- I mean, it is a, that is an important point to, to bring out. And uh, so I agree with you. There's also right, so here's another this talk is, about doctrine. Well, there's so much doctrine in this. I mean, there's so much doctrine. Uh, I think tone-wise, uh, we already said kind of awe, but I think also contentment. So mm. the, the again, sort of the joy on Christmas Eve in my mind is more ecstatic, more naive, more childlike, and the the joy on Christmas Day is, yeah, content. I think is a big part of it. Sort of a, a, a recognizing. This cosmic reality that has already taken place, that is assured, and resting in it, even if yeah. you know
0: a Christmas celebrations a themselves,
1: delight. family and so forth, are disappointing. Right? To, 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 the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. There is also, I think, in a consoling way, you've got this really this connection of what faith and baptism does to a person is. Uh, defined by the Incarnation, right? That we mm. were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, but of God. And that's hilarious because John doesn't bring up the virgin birth. I mean, he's des- he's describing us, but it sounds like, right? He's describing yeah. Jesus. And of course, that's obviously 100% intended. And so to see how the Incarnation itself and the purity of Jesus um, is is applied to us, I think, is a very kind of consoling thing to say, this Mm -hmm. is who I really am and what I really am despite appearances. Uh, Jesus just looks like a baby, you know, a poor baby that doesn't have enough, you know, whose family you hope he's going to get enough to eat. That's how poor he is. And and yet, you know, he's the ruler of the universe. So we look like poor, miserable sinners, but in fact— you know, we're actually the sons of God. Mm-hmm. Of course, that translation had children of God, didn't it? Yeah. And so does the New King
0: James. But. Well, it's Technon.
1: Oh, is it? I thought it was. Uh, what verse is it?
0: Verse 12.
1: Yeah, it is. Techna. So. Yeah. Okay, fine. Children's okay. <laughs> Uh, I really thought it was uh, I really thought it was I was just reading backwards through the new king or through King James. Um, yeah, so that's a really right, beautiful so, thing though
0: yeah, to be yeah, to be children of God, and that com- that yeah. comes right you know just before those verse those verses just before the and the word became the thesis statement, as you said.
1: right, that's why he had to become flesh because we're the children of God. Mm-hmm. It's just great, yeah. And then like, you, we're the virgin born.
0: Do you ever um, work something up with regard to th- the usage of exousia for right? You know, it was translated as right. Oftentimes we have authority, but when you've got yeah authority, you necessarily have its corresponding right. Uh, do you ever work something up with that?
1: I haven't, but I like it. I mean that. I mean the word does. It is the word authority, right? Mm-hmm. And it is what, you know, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Authority is always given. Mm-hmm. I, I think I usually make a distinction between right and authority, that authority is something given.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's, um, uh, yes, but um, rights are given too, but yeah, by God.
1: By God, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, or by someone in yeah.
1: authority. So Right, right, right.
0: Yeah, I I, I haven't.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I even just like that. Even that language of he gave, you know, a doken, mm-hmm. isn't it? You have that a couple of times that, you know, in, in this, the creator is also the giver, right? He mm. gives light. He gives the authority to become the children of God. What else does he give? Is there another one? Maybe that's it. It's a loaded text. It's hard to it's hard to know how to go. There's so much. Um and, of course, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the most popular Christmas hymn amongst confessional Lutherans in America is uh, Of the Father's Love Begotten. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that certainly can be an aid to, to preaching, too.
0: Yeah. Well, in verse 16, you have, um, for from his fullness we have received grace upon grace, which means it was yeah. given.
1: That's true, yeah, and you have that re- they, they did not receive it uh earlier mm-hmm. too with the um the we didn't talk about the tabernacle stuff that's i mean, I bet I've probably preached more sermons about the tabernacle thing than than anything else on Christmas mm-hmm. day. we have as the old testament uh is it exodus yeah exodus forty that's which is 40. the tabernacle stuff, mm-hmm. and uh you know that is an uh, that is an astounding you know allusion that John makes that uh, you know and then of course in John's gospel also we'll have the that he's the temple that's torn down yeah. so so well and know, all he's the fulfillments of the
0: temple. feasts that he puts yeah, forward of like yeah. all of the major teaching happens around some sort of feast
1: right but I do think in this case it's uh I mean it's a tie to the. You know to being with the people, this is the place where the sacrifices are offered that cleanse and provide safe access to God, where prayers are heard, the mercy seat mm-hmm. you know all the everything at the same time, I think it is also uh a kind of humility here that the tabernacle is temporary uh, I just heard a who was I listening to somebody was I was talking to somebody and he was he was taking the uh Gradation from tabernacle to temple as um, as seeing something becoming greater what hmm. I can't remember what I, I'm, it's right on the it's right at the tip of my mind, but I can't quite remember what the argument I thought it was pretty good at the time, and now I can't remember that um, you mean
0: so like th- those steps were from less permanent to more, so right you've got the tent the actual construction that could be taken down and easily moved, and then the temple, and then Jesus.
1: Right. And also more beautiful, so more enduring, more beautiful, more stable. I mean, those mm-hmm. those things. And I can't remember what it was being applied to, though. Um, hmm. I don't know. But I had never thought about the, um, the tabernacle being replaced with the temple, but it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and instead so, of the anyway, pillar of cloud, you get the, the name. Yeah. Is, is that, yeah. that which tells him to the, he, the people that he's dwelling there.
1: He's dwelling there.
0: Yeah, that's right. But isn't that? Isn't that well, Sol- Solomon? How, you're so big, right. you fill all the heavens. How, how are you going to be in this place? I'll put my name there.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And now really what we have is he is filling all places as a man right? He's omnipresent as a man. And yeah. uh, so the incarnation his changes. his is
0: on anyone who he's baptized. So That's he's right. actually literally and, filling the whole earth. He's filling the whole earth. <laughs> so it's bigger. The temple is bigger. This,
1: and we have this, yeah. And we have the sacramental union also, that he's also present in his risen body and blood, you know, mm-hmm. in bread and wine for us to eat and to drink, wherein he takes possession of us. Sends us out into the world to fill it. I mean, it just goes on and on. So there is a kind of uh, yeah, this idea that name on us again, right?
0: I mean, the 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 end of our service right has the very name of Yahweh on us,
1: yeah, which we stole from Aaron. (laughs) Right, the the ironic benediction that that we that we take and slap onto the end of our service. I love it. I I think that's Luther's innovation. To really? this day, they don't have the Aaronic there. I'm pretty sure I, I am doing this from memory, but it, it certainly is not part of the Roman mass. The Roman mass ends with, you know, the mass is ended, go in peace. The Aaronic uh-huh. benediction is a distinctly Lutheran. I don't think you'll find it in the Anglican mass either. And, really? uh, it's, the, you know, it's a blessing with a promise and, mm-hmm. uh, it belongs of course to the, to the sons of Aaron. Um, and, uh, you know, and then we say, yeah, well, we're taking it, because guess <laughs> what? <laughs> I think it's great. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to do it. I, I feel no compunction. There's, there's things I feel compunction about, and there's things I don't. I, I don't use the name Yahweh. I mean, I talk about uh, Yahweh and uh, at various times, but I don't address God as Yahweh. I, I don't no. like that. I don't think it's. I don't think we should use Yahweh as a form of address in prayer. I mean, we can. I know we can, and we have a, hymns like "Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah." You know, I mean, I don't think it's. I don't mean it's. It, I, I just think that it's sort of inappropriate because because we have the name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's such a. That's again right, fulfilled and expanded. And to back up and to, yeah. Exactly.
0: So there's a difference. Uh, Kleinig does a big thing on this. I can't remember where I I him do this. He does a big thing like, so it's one thing to, you know, call someone by their title, right? Um, You don't have as much access to them as a title. right? Uh, uh, It's more personal to get their first name, right? If you're on first name basis, you have more access to them. But the only people who have and he says the only people who have real access to me are my children and they call me father. Yeah. And so, like, no matter what time of day or what time of night, like, you know, my people don't necessarily have the kind of access. I won't pick up the phone for them the way I will for my kids or for my wife, for my family. Yeah. Um, and just that access is different. Why would we step back to a level of <laughs> access? From father to first name basis, that's his thing, um, yeah. and I like it.
1: I think there's also I I haven't heard that, but I, I I love that. I think that's right. I often talk about it also as the name Yahweh is a name of power. He's mm-hmm. the one that is, and it's a name that is crafted specifically to speak to Pharaoh. Um, I mean, it, it's not its own, but he is the one who is. Nothing else is, and mm-hmm. but then the name, father, son, and and spirit are names of intimacy. So that goes along with what he was saying, right? Yeah. That it's uh right. It's a it's relational, familial and and that's uh I always tell this story that when the, my children were little I used to bribe them with candy to call their mother Mrs. Peterson. And uh you know, then they would do it and then she would just squeal in horror and but you know, it's it was it was uh <laughs> fun for me but uh right because you know and then i would pretend like i couldn't understand because you know they're being polite yeah well it's not polite to call your mother mrs so-and-so right it's distancing so yeah so to you. just call god yahweh <laughs> this is how i have fun jason
0: i i and, gather that
1: yeah and that's why it's so fun to be around yeah. children, because you can have a lot of fun. This, children are a lot of fun with these kinds of things. But anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah. So the, why we, oh, the, that's where we know right where he is. So the tabernacling, right? Dwelling with us, right? Mm-hmm. In ways that, that appear insignificant and yet, you know, are the greatest things in the world.
0: Yeah. Uh, a- anything we didn't hit that you want to um. highlight?
1: I don't know. Probably this is again. I, so I think, I think again. The kind of advice is to uh, for the preacher is, is to calm down and not not try to be profound or not try to you know feel this pressure that you've got to preach this whatever sermon. I think especially on Christmas Day you can really relax. You can expect. I mean, you don't. You never know, obviously. But I think that you can write a sermon for Christmas Day expecting that your best catechized members will hear it and that you don't have to explain everything or, you know, you can, you can be a little bit freer because you don't have to worry about being necessarily as precise or as sensitive to everything because they, Mm -hmm. they'll know what you mean. Right. And that's very freeing. So um, I, I think there's a time for that. And there's times not for that. I, this is one, right? And I think that can be a way of lightening the burden or the pressure that you feel, and say, look, you know what? I don't. I, I really could almost get away without even preaching a sermon because, you know, the hymns are so beautiful and the texts are so pointed and profound, and everybody already knows this, and they've been to church four times this week already. So, right? I don't mean you shouldn't <laughs> preach a sermon. You, you absolutely should. But, but there is this sort of look. You don't have to carry the weight. On the yeah. sermon and and so you know you can just talk to them about these glorious things and and trust in God to work. and mm-hmm. you know, have you ever done something sense?
0: like that where you had kind of just like a bunch of small vignettes like this popped out at me and this popped out at me, and this popped out at me and tied it all together. Have you ever done something like that? I I have not on Christmas, but I have. I'm trying to
1: remember when I I have done done that something like that before, where it just um, here's just twelve things I want to say. And, yeah. uh
0: yeah, maybe and
1: I that think would, that you can. I, yeah,
0: maybe that would be a time to do it on you know Christmas it Day. Could like, be, absolutely, here's five things that be. I noticed uh, that I I just think you should you should tuck away and remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it could be, you could really do a really kind of more of an expository sort of thing. Just go look, and you could even say that, I think, up front. Hey, it's Christmas. We were all here last night. We're all thrilled to be here again to receive the sacrament, to sing more of these hymns, to hear this word. And uh, I'm just going to, I just want to point out some really fascinating, beautiful things in this text. Here's one, Mm -hmm. you know, the word. Here's two, you know, I think you could do that. I think it'd be. Perfectly acceptable, and they might really enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I suppose there's still kind of – I so there would be a sort of – the unifying thesis of that sermon uh, would just be that this is so great and beautiful, and here's some proofs of it. Yeah. That's le-
0: that's yeah. legit. That's legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that idea. Maybe I'll try that. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking that I might do something like that. <laughs> Cause you, cause you <laughs> I you always think it sounds easy. Like- you always find yourself like, uh, man. I would really like to go here, but that's not long enough for just a sermon. Yeah, um, and I'd really be stretching to make this kind of the whole thing. But I'd also really like to talk about this, but that's not enough yeah. either. Uh, yeah, that might be an opportunity to do something, especially with these kind yeah. of texts.
1: I like it, and and with that kind of audience, right? Right. Yeah, it it is acknowledging the audience that's there. Right. Yeah. So I think, yeah, good.
0: All right. Well, thanks for your time All Dave right. and uh, look forward to chatting Thank you again. Thank you. All right. All right.
1: All right.